0: I'd like to dismiss Children's Church at this time without Pastor Rick over there to your left. Children's Church with Pastor Rick right over there. He takes half the church with him, doesn't he? <laughs> All right, as they're being dismissed, again, just a reminder about the upcoming Christmas cantata on December 17th, that Sunday night. I want to encourage you, we do have invitation cards available back there in the back if you want to get those as you leave and pass those out. Um, December is a very busy month, and people's calendars fill up quickly. I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Invite people to come. I have found that people may come to a Christmas card that will not come to a normal church service. So please invite them, your friends, relatives, Especially unsaved, the gospel will be presented during the cantata, but also at the end of the service, I'll give the gospel an invitation for people to receive Christ. So these are nice cards available. Please uh, pick those up when you leave. Pick up as many as you want to pass out, and as you go uh, after the service tonight. Um, I brought these to your attention this morning, I'd like to do it again, uh, encourage you to pray for them. Three of our church members are having some physical issues and need our prayers. I've mentioned these this morning. Ken Tullis is having a hip replacement tomorrow, so please pray for Brother Toulis. Uh Lou Rutkin is having an insertion of a pacemaker and defibrillator in his chest. I think that's going to be on Wednesday because of his heart conditions. Supposedly that will help him, so pray that goes well and that will be a big help to him and his heart. Also, Brother Paulie ba- Barr's last name is having back surgery this week also. Please pray for them in your prayer requests. I'm sure they'd be very grateful for that. Uh, all right. If you did not get a handout tonight, hold your hand up and Brother Phil will bring that to you right where you're at at no extra cost. <laughs> so, All right. as there are pass on? Some on the front here, if you would. I like got front. All right, everybody have one. Well, thank you so much. Tonight, we're going to look at a message that I try to preach about every three or four years in the Thanksgiving season. To me, because it's such timely, it's such a message needed for today. When I read this message, I'm, it's disturbing to me that people could be healed of a horrible, deadly disease and not even say thank you for it. But how that's a picture of so many believers today, that God's healed them in a sense. He's brought cleansing and salvation to their soul, and many go about life with no expression of gratitude to God. So tonight's message is called, Where Are the Nine? Where are the nine? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever went out of any way to do something special for a person? Maybe to give them a wedding gift, a graduation gift, maybe a baby shower gift and try to get something special for them, and receive no thank you card? Does it make you want to give them another one? <laughs> it doesn't at all. So I want to encourage you, if you ever get a gift or something, please express gratitude for it. It's just the proper thing to do. But uh, so often, people today don't express gratitude. I was talking to my wife about this, and we realized it just seems to be a sign of the times. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it talks about the last days. And one of the characteristics of the last days is unthankfulness. That people today seem to be, not show any gratitude at all. My wife, of course, runs the Good News Club. They call it Blast Club now. And she was telling me how so many of the parents really show no gratitude for what we do for the kids. That many times they will, sometimes the late, they will use Blast Club as maybe an after-school care for the kids, which is fine. We won't take advantage of that and teach the kids the Bible. But anyway, they're supposed to pick up their children at a certain time. Sometimes they're 15, 20, half-hour late, and our workers waiting out there for them to come pick them up. And when they pick them up, they don't say a word. They don't say a thank you a sorry. They don't do anything. There's no expression of gratitude. And even our young people today, there seems to be you no... Know, thankfulness for anything. It's just a sign of the times that we live in. How about you? Are you a person that expresses gratitude when when somebody does something for you? And I want to look at several things tonight in this message tonight called Where are the Nine? First of all, let's look at a compassionate Savior. A compassionate Savior in verse 11 of chapter 17 in the book of Luke. It said, it came to pass as he, the Lord Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I want you to notice Jesus troubled himself to reach others with the gospel. Jesus troubled himself to reach others with the gospel of Christ. He went places nobody else wanted to go. He did things nobody else wanted to do. It's typical when a Jew was going from where Jesus was to Jerusalem, they would not go through Samaria because the Jews hated the Samaritans even though that was the shortest direct route to get there. They would go around and travel and convene themselves to go around uh, Samaria, just not to have anything to do with the Samaritans. But notice Jesus, as he was going to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria. Now, he troubled himself to reach those that needed him a Savior. And in verse 11, that part, he passed through the midst of Samaria. Though this was the shortest route from Judea to Galilee, it was not the normal route a Jew would take. In Jesus' day, the Jews, because their hatred to the Samaritans, normally took an eastern route or go about simply to avoid Samaria. Jesus didn't do that. Next, Jesus sought out those despised and rejected by society. Jesus sought out those despised and rejected by society. How many can say amen to that? those that the world rejects, God accepts. Jesus chose the route through Samaria in order to reach a despised people in that region. As the Savior of the world, he seeks out and saves the despised and outcast. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want you to go with me now. To the Gospel of John. Come back to Luke. John chapter 4, please. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jesus sought out those despised and rejected. First of all, we're going to see that he sought out an immoral Samaritan woman. John chapter 4. He sought out an immoral Samaritan woman. We know her as the woman at the well. John chapter 4. Look with me in verse 3, please. It talks about a person despised by the Jews. John chapter 4, verse 3. It says, He, the Lord Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. In verse 4, And he must needs go through what? There was a need in Samaria that he must go through there. And the need, there was a woman that needed to be saved. Again, he did something contrary to what the Jews do. He sought out this woman. And read on in verse 5. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, near the parcel ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. The word sixth hour was about noontime the hottest part of the day. Verse 6, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For the disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Verse 9, Then saith the woman to Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is he that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. Notice something about this immoral Samaritan woman. First of all, she was despised by the Jews. She was amazed. How is it that you being a Jew would ask me a woman, a Samaria, to give you a drink, seeing that the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans? But also, she was a woman rejected by her own people, not rejected by the Jews, her own people. How do we know that? It's implied that when did she go to get water? In the hottest part of the day, noontime. Generally, they'd go early in the morning, late in the evening, that's when it's much cooler. That implies she went when nobody else would be there because her own people despised her. Because we know later on, Jesus said, where's your husband at? What'd she say? I don't have any husband. He says, you say, right, you've had... Five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. So she was a woman married five times, and presently she was living with a man. So people rejected her for her immoral practices. The Jews rejected her, and guess who saw her out? The Lord Jesus Christ. He saw out her. Now, so he did that for an immoral Samaritan woman, but also for a leperous Samaritan man. Go back now to Luke, please. Back to Luke. Back to Luke. So we saw a compassionate Savior seeking out a Samaritan woman, but also a Samaritan man that had leprosy. And notice in number two, a contagious disease. A compassionate Savior, and number two, a contagious disease. Look with me, will please, in 17, uh, Luke 17, look in verse 12. As he entered into the certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were what? Cleansed. Notice there's several things here we need to understand, require to understand to get the meaning of this verse, what he's saying here. First of all, understand leprosy. What is leprosy? Leprosy was regarded with terror. Highly contagious, no cure. To be diagnosed with leprosy was to be sentenced to exclusion from home, from family, suffer banishment from the community, to be barred from the places of human habitation. No one might approach them, speak to them, or even touch them. Incurable at the time of Jesus, society imposed exclusion until death which might, occur, might not occur for several years. With progressive defigurement of the face, body, loss of fingers, hands and sight, it was considered the most terrible of diseases. A person that got leprosy, it was not uncommon for pieces of the body to fall off. Literally, the flesh would rot while they're living. Their ear could fall off, their finger could fall off. It was just a horrible disease. And they were banished from society because it was so contagious. So we need to understand leprosy. Next, we need to understand the biblical instruction concerning lepers. Go with me now to Luke thirteen. I'm sorry, Luke. Le, Leviticus thirteen. Keep your finger in Luke. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter thirteen. Look what Moses instruction he gave concerning lepers. Now, keep this in mind when we approach God, healed 10 of them. And how many came back to say thank you? Only one. Leviticus chapter 13. Look with me in verse 45, please. So we understand leprosy and how terrible it was. We need to understand the biblical instruction concerning lepers. This is what God said to do with lepers. In verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare, he shall put on a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, shall he be defiled, he is unclean, he shall dwell alone, without the camp shall his habitation be. Other words they were to be separated from people that did not have the disease because they're so contagious. They would dwell all alone until they died. If they were approached by someone that was not cont- uh, that disease, they were required to cry out, unclean, unclean. And generally when they do that, people will run because of such a horrible disease. And if you notice when Christ was coming in Samaria, what did these people do? As he entered in the village, they lifted up their voices. About ten men met him. They were far off. They were following what Scripture said, and they were far off. In verse 13, they lifted up their voice. I mean, they cried out loud, shouted, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so that was the biblical instruction. But also, we need to understand how God works, how God works. A biblical principle is God's blessings are always preceded with faith and obedience. God's blessings are always preceded by faith and obedience. Look in verse 14. And when he, Jesus, saw them, about the lepers, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were what? Cleansed. Now, why would the Lord tell them that? These men are wanting healing. They were dying. They were cast out of society apart from people, from their families. And when they saw them, they cried for mercy. And the Lord said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the purpose of that, only the priest could declare them clean. The priest was the one who declared them unclean and had them outcast. So what they did is, you know... This was an act of faith on their part. You know, they probably thought, why should I go to some of the priests? I have leprosy. Now, if you cleanse me, I would go. But what did he do? He said, go show the priest. And as they went, they were what? Cleansed. As they obeyed what Christ said, they were cleansed. And that's the way God works. As we obey, God blesses. As we obey God's word, he pours out his blessings. I'll give me another example. How about salvation? Is there a responsibility, though, may I say, obedience on the part of an unbeliever to be saved? Is that believe in Jesus Christ, and thou should be saved? They have to first, what? Believe, and then be, they're saved. And someone said, not they save me first, then I'll believe. God doesn't work that way. You believe, then you'll be saved. It's, it's also true with finances. And this is where so many Christians don't follow Scripture. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, I believe the verse will be on the screen. Look what it says. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thy increase. And verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall be burst out with new wine. I've had many Christians tell me, especially when I've ever did a message on tithing giving. They come to me and very sincerely say, Pastor, I'd be happy to tithe, but I can't afford it. If God would bless me with the money, I would tithe. My friend, God doesn't work that way. It says here, honor the your substance, and your barns be filled plenty. They say, fill my barns with plenty, then I'll tithe. It works the opposite way. God honors faith. And no matter how much or little you got, if you honor God with your finances, my friend, God will honor you. Amen. These people, these lepers, they first had to go, then they were cleansed. They probably say, cleanse me first, and then I'll go. He didn't work that way. He said, you go, and I'll cleanse you. Another verse on finances. Many of you know Malachi 3.10? Listen to it. they speaking to the Jews here. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now, so many Christians today say, Lord, pour me out the blessing, then I'll give to you. God doesn't work that way. He said, bring your tithes to the storehouse, and then I'll part the blessing. Maybe you're here tonight, and, you're, and you've uh, faithfully come to church, but you don't tithe. Let me say this. I've said this many times. I don't know who tithes, who doesn't, except I know the pastor staff ties, They have to tithe to be a pastor. I know the deacons tithe because they have to tithe to be a deacon. But other than that, I don't know. If you give or don't give, I don't know. I don't want to know because I, I don't want to be put in a place to show favorites. So you may give a lot of money. I don't know. You may give a little money. I don't know. You may give no money. I don't know. But there's probably some of you that come every Sunday and never give a dime because you say, I can't afford it. And, and by the way, you'll never afford it until you start giving. <laughs> God says give and it shall be given unto you. And so you're waiting for God to give to you first. He doesn't work that way. Just like these lepers, they were not healed unless they first went. As they went, they were healed. As you give, God will bless you. So that talk, talking about a compassionate Savior, a contagious disease, number three. Number three. Let's look at, a, a, I'm going to use a big word here, see a communicative individual a communicative individual. I use that word because I want to use all C's in my outline here. But look in verse 15, please. After they went and they were cleansed, this is to me disturbing and amazing all at the same time. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him what? Thanks, and he was a Samaritan. I want you to notice, Scripture has much to say about believers verbally communicating their gratitude to God. The Bible has a lot to say about believers verbally communicating their gratitude to God. Keep your finger here. Go with me now to Psalm 107, please. Psalm 107. Scripture has a lot to say about God's people verbally communicating their gratitude to God. Psalm 107, please. Psalm 107, verse 1. And notice the first three words. Psalm 107, verse 1. Some of you are still looking. I'll I'll give you a moment to find these. Some people say, I go too fast. Some say, I go too slow. <laughs> Those that go too slow for, you know right where the Bible verses are. Those that go too fast are still looking. But verse 1, it says, what's the first meaning words? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he's good. For his mercy endureth forever. But verse 2, in the context here giving thanks, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. My friend, do you verbally communicate your gratitude to God for the things he does for you? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Go over to chapter 95, please, now. Psalm 95. Well, look at a scripture where God has much to say about the believer verbally communicating his gratitude to the Lord. This one leper did that. He came back and with a loud voice, glorified God and said, thank you. Psalm 95 in verse 1, please. Psalm 95, verse 1. It says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving." Again, talking about coming, a joyful noise, and giving gratitude to the Lord. Number four. We saw a compassionate savior. We saw contagious disease, leprosy. We saw a communicative individual. Of the ten that were cleansed, only one come back and express gratitude. Now, let's look at the nine. I want to call this a callous, unthankful group. A callous, unthankful group. Look in verse 17, please, back in Luke. In fact... Look again in verse 15 in the context here. It says, one of them, one of the ten that were cleansed, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face face, at his feet, giving him thanks for he was a Samaritan. And verse 17, and Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But were the nine? But there were not found that returned to give glory to God save the stranger." I want you to notice Jesus' statement concerning the ungrateful. His statement His focus was not on the one who would turn to give thanks, but the the nine who did not. Let me say it again. His focus in this question was not the one who would turn to give thanks, but the nine who did not. I read about a Sunday school teacher with a group of children, and she was teaching this story about the ten lepers. She read the story to the children, and she asked them, what do you think of this story? And one of the little girls answered, Jesus must have been very happy that someone thanked him. What a positive response. But that was not the emphasis of Christ. The story's focus was, isn't how great it is one returned, but rather, why did only one return? This is seen because of two factors. First of all, in the text. It is shown by his seemingly brisk and sharp response. How did he respond? He said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? And also Jesus calls attention to this man's ethnicity. The Bible said he was a Samaritan. My friend, that was a rebuke upon the other nine were Jews. Jesus' question was rebuke his own people. The Jews of that day did not accept him as the Messiah, nor were grateful for his miracles that he did. They followed him because of what they could get from him, not the gratitude toward him. Now, I believe the question here was for us today. There's only two people there, Jesus and the leper. And he says, were there not nine cleansed? Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Now, Jesus knew where the nine were. Because he's God. He's omniscient. He didn't ask that because he didn't know where they're at. I believe he asked that for you and I. Because he knew one day you'd read his word. Were there not ten cleansed? The word of the nine. The question is, let me ask you. What would you have done? If you were one of the ten lepers and the Lord healed you, what would you have done? I don't know about you, I like to think I'd come back and give thanks, but what would you have done? The question is, not what you have done, what are you doing? What are you doing now? What you're doing today to express your gratitude tells us what you've done if you'd been one of the lepers. If you don't express gratitude to God today, you would have not done it back then. So what are you doing to express your gratitude? What are you doing? Special gratitude, especially maybe begin with for those in your family. Do you ever express gratitude to your parents, or to your kids, to your spouse, to those of a part of your family? Listen carefully, please. A large portion of the greatest and most heartfelt expressions of gratitude I have ever witnessed has been when loved ones have died at funeral services. One thing I try to do, encourage people in our church when they have a funeral service, to give people presents to say, opportunity to say a few words about the deceased. And sometimes you hear some of the most heart-wrenching or the most moving stories of what people thought of the person who passed away and how they say wonderful things about them. My friend, why do you wait till your spouse dies to say something wonderful about them? I read about a pastor who had a man in his church who turned 70 years old, And he asked his pastor to do his funeral this upcoming year. And the pastor said to him, are you going to die soon? He said, no, but I want to wait till I die to have my funeral. I won't be able to hear all the nice things people will say about me. (laughs) Uh, That's funny, but it's sad. I, 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 I think it is appropriate to say nice things about a person who passed away, but why do you wait till they pass away to say something nice about them? People express gratitude and things they've done for them, but the man's dead. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> or she's dead. My friend, what are you doing to express gratitude to your family? Or how about your spouse and what they do for you? Do you ever say thank you to them? Sometimes I think we take our spouses for granted. How about to the Lord for your cleansing? What are you doing to express your gratitude to Him? Listen carefully, please. I believe the most ungrateful person in all the world is not an unbeliever. It's a child of God who lives his life for himself and leaves God out. We think of these lepers that were cleansed of this horrible, deadly disease that were dying. Only one came back and said, thank you. It shows the other nine were so ungrateful. But, you know, God cleanses us, heals us, something far worse than leprosy. It's called sin. Let me give you some, here. Listen to this carefully. Leprosy was a picture of a man's lost condition. Leprosy was a picture of a man's lost condition. I'll go through this quickly because time is going by fast. Leprosy, personal person leprosy, was hopeless, no cure, unclean, walking death, separated from the living. Unless God intervened, he was going to die. Now, listen carefully. A leper was considered unclean and separated from those who were not affected. In all contrast, the sinner is considered unclean, separated from God. Isaiah 64, 6. It said, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Number two, the leper would die because of his disease. The leper died because of disease. The sinner would die because of his sin. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall what? Die. Now, are you writing writing these down? I'll slow down. I'm going fast, but I want you to notice how it's a picture of a lost person. So a leper was considered unclean, separated from those who were not infected. The sinner is considered unclean, separated from God. A leper would die because of his disease. A sinner would die because of his sin. Number three, a leper could do nothing to heal himself. The leper could do nothing to heal himself. The situation was hopeless and had no cure. The sinner can do nothing to save himself. He's lost, having no hope without God. Listen to this verse from the New Testament. It talks about it talks about this. Uh, let's see. Uh, there it is. Ephesians chapter two, verse twelve. That at that, at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in this world. My friend, that was a picture of the leper. It's a picture of the sinner. Having no hope without God in this world. Number, letter D, the fourth thing, how leprosy is a picture of a lost man. The lepers who could not heal themselves cried out to God for mercy and was healed. The lepers who could not heal themselves cried out to God for mercy and were healed. The sinner's only hope is God's mercy. How many know Titus five? Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And lastly, the lepers were healed because they believed God's word. They were healed because they believed God's word. He said, go show yourself to the priest, and they went and they were healed. The sinner is saved from his sin because he believes God's word. John 5 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So, as a Christian, how can we express our gratitude to God? So let me ask you again if you were one of those ten that were cleansed, which one would you have been? Would you have been one of the nine who selfishly went on, enjoying your cleansing, your healing, and saying nothing to God about it? Or would you have been that one? So, you say, Pastor, I would be the one who would come back. And I hope that's true of you. So how can a Christian express his gratitude to God for saving him? How can you do that? Let me give you a few things. First of all, we can offer God a sacrifice. We can offer God a sacrifice. Go to Psalm 107, please. Psalm 107. It talks about doing just this. It's called a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's not sacrifice for sin. It's a way of saying thank you, God, for what you've done for me. Psalm 107 in verse 8. Psalm 107 in verse 8. Thank you for turning with me. In verse 8, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. My, this phrase is used four times in this chapter. Over and over again, he said, "Over oh, that men will praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. But each time is after God's deliverance. Each time. For example, look in verse 6, please. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their tra- distresses, then verse 8 says, Oh, that men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to men. So when after the deliverance, God says, Oh, that men will praise him for that. But I want you to notice God's admonition. Look down to verse 21, please. Verse 21. Here's the last time this phrase is used of the four times in this chapter. Oh, that men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Then he says, verse 22, And let them what? sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declares works with rejoicing. The sacrifice of thanksgiving is mentioned many times in the Old Testament. Again, it's not an animal sacrifice in a sense for sin. Not a sacrifice for sin. It's a sacrifice of way and saying, thank you. Thank you. It is a Jewish person coming back to the Lord for all that God's done for him. Lord, I just want to thank you. And he offers a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Two things about the sacrifice. First of all, it's motivated by gratitude. The sacrifice of Thanksgiving is motivated by gratitude. As a person who is grateful for what God has done, and they offer God a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice motivated by gratitude, but also a sacrifice offered voluntarily. A sin offering was mandatory. A Thanksgiving offering was voluntary. In Luke, I'm sorry, Leviticus 22:29. And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. It was done, motivated by gratitude, and offered voluntarily. Now, let's wrap it up with this. What sacrifices can we offer to God? What sacrifice can you and I offer to God for all he's done for us? Let me quote a scripture for you. I have you turn with me to a verse, and we'll wrap it up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, speaking to Christians, If so, be have tasted that the Lord is gracious, ye also, he goes on to say, as a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But Peter's saying, if you've tasted the Lord's good, how many believe God is good? Then he says, as a holy priesthood that we are believer priests, he says, offer up spiritual sacrifices to God that are acceptable to him. So what are spiritual sacrifices we can offer? I'm glad you asked. Go me now to Hebrews 13, and we'll wrap it up with this. Hebrews 13. Here are some sacrifices we can offer to God as priests, believer priests, because he, what he's done for us. These are sacrifices of thanksgiving. And again, it's not sacrifice for sin. Who offered the sacrifice for our sin? Jesus Christ. Christ. Remember John the Baptist when he saw Jesus coming on the scene? What did he say? Behold, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. In Hebrews 9 it says by his one sacrifice that we are sanctified forever. There's only one sacrifice for sin he himself offered when he died on the cross. So let me give you some sacrifices that we can offer. Look in Hebrews 13 verse 15. Hebrews 13 verse 15. It says, by him, therefore, let us as believers offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to God continually. What is that sacrifice of praise? That is the fruit of our lips giving what? Thanks to his name. We talked about that this morning, did we not? How giving thanks to God ought to be abundantly in our lives. But he goes on to say, the first one is a sacrifice of praise. The second one is a sacrifice of doing good to others. Look again in verse 16, please. Hebrews 13, 16. He says, but to do what? Good. One way you can offer a sacrifice, a thanksgiving to God, is do good to other believers. Be kind to other believers. Galatians six ten says this. As you have therefore opportunity... Let us do good to what? All men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. So a sacrifice of doing good to others, seeing another way of sacrifice, is a sacrifice of sharing one's resources. A sacrifice of sharing one's resources. It says in verse 16, But to do good and to communicate. Forget not. The word communicate, talk about sharing your resources. Now look at me, please. We have one of the most giving churches that I know of. My friend, this church gives so much. When we present a need to you, whether it be our missionaries for Christmas October, or benevolence need, or whatever it is, this church overwhelmingly gives so much. Interesting. When I, uh, when the Often taken up, especially for evangelists. We take up a lot of money for evangelists because you have a gracious giving. And I ask the treasurer, the person charged the money, council money, I, I say, how much money was given? And, and they always put down, first of all, praise the Lord. And they mention the amount given, and it's just, just it's breathtaking. And that's you. I'm funny, because you do communicate to others. You give overwhelmingly, sharing your resources with others. I want to commend you for that. That is a strength of First Baptist Church that many churches don't have because you are a giving church. You care and love people. You do good to others. But the last sacrifice, we're going to wrap it up with this. Not only a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of doing good to others, a sacrifice of sharing one's resources, but also, and many of you know this one, the sacrifice of our lives. A sacrifice of our lives. I'm not saying dying for Christ. I'm talking about living for Christ. How many know Romans 12, 1? Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? It didn't say a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's wrap it up. Where are the nine? I believe when the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the people that he has saved, and no doubt he asks the same question today. You know, I believe this is symbolic. This is, I think, that one out of every ten Christians God saves, only one will come back and say, thank you. And he says, where are the nine? Out of ten Christians, people God saves, only one will come back and serve him and live for him. Which one are you? I don't know about you. I purpose in my heart, I want to serve the Lord. I want God to know I'm grateful for saving me. I want God to know I'm grateful for what he's done for me. But again, characteristics wise, I believe out of all the people that God saved, and by the way, his cleansing at salvation is far more than cleansing for leprosy. One gives them a longer life on this earth. The other gives them eternity in heaven. Yet, if a Christian who reads about the lepers who did not come back and say thank you, and they themselves do not live for the Lord, they have no reason to criticize those nine. Because you are no different if you don't serve the Lord once you're saved. Serving the Lord is our way of saying thank you for what he's done for us. Let's bow together, please. I believe the Lord today his heads bowed, eyes closed. I believe the Lord today is asking that same question. When he looks down at God's people, he asks, were there not ten cleansed? Were there not ten saved? But where are the nine? Christian, which one are you? Are you one of the nine that's received his healing, his salvation, his forgiveness, and heaven is your home? And you go about living for yourself, and care little or do very little for God. Or you like that one who came back and fell on his face and cried out and said, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Is that you tonight? Christian, how much are you doing for God now that you are saved? One way we can express our gratitude is living for him, honoring him with our substance, honoring him with our time, talent, and treasure. How much of that are you giving to him to express your gratitude? Father in heaven, thank you for your tremendous salvation. Thank you for saving us. Father, thank you that salvation is not earned, it's not merited, it's not gained by our works, it's a free gift given to us really like those lepers. They were freely uh, cleansed. That's a picture of salvation, that we are freely cleansed and forgiven of our sin. Lord, help us not to be one of the nine Help us to be that one who comes back to get special gratitude to the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.